<laughs> Dude, like lately, my shit's just been tripping. I'll just be like, huh. <laughs> but anyway, infamous countdown three, two, one. What the fuck is up, everybody? Welcome to the Great Girth Podcast. I am Tony, one half of your favorite fat duo with my other half, Austin. Austin, buddy, this is a fun episode. I'm ready to do this. But before we get into that, I think we should address some things first. <clears throat> first one being, I had someone ask me a question today that I thought would be good for the podcast. What would you rather have? Would you rather have genius, like the genius level of a fucking, I'm talking like Stephen Hawkins, all right? So would you rather have that knowledge, the ability to know everything, or would you rather be powerful? I say knowledge because if you're smart, you know how to be powerful. That's my opinion. What, what, what does it mean? powerful i mean rule the world you know be i mean if you're that smart exactly my point because the guy that's smart you could probably get that any do that anyway exactly because the dude that asked me was like think about it real hard and i was like oh yeah because if you're smart you don't need to just be powerful you can totally do that and do other things if you're that fucking smart fuck dude i'm so tired and it shows this kid has kept us up um so yeah, I couldn't wait to get into this episode because <clears throat> we're doing another. This one's not really a ranking. I think it's more like a um, like a list of ten albums that made our childhood or made you the person you are now. I call it the ten albums that made us. Copy and Netflix. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you, dude. I didn't really get a chance to like put these in a ranking system. So, I mean, like, realistically, the first three albums are the most important to me, sure. But this really isn't in any order. And I have five that are honorable mentions that they didn't quite make the list. Like, I just couldn't justify it because I didn't like the whole album. Or, you know, like, they just, they weren't, in my opinion, like, they were good. They they had a big part of my childhood, but they weren't. Yeah, so I'm going to just, fuck it, I'll just do them right now because I'll just list all five of them off like bam, bam, bam. I don't even have to really explain it. But these five albums that didn't make this list are Smash by The Offspring, All Eyes on Me, Tupac, Hybrid Theory, Linkin Park, The Eminem Show, Eminem. This last one, I know I'm going to get fucking torn apart, but there's a big reason behind it. It's a big part of the bonding I had with my stepfather. So that's all I'm going to say about it. But the riddle box by the insane clown posse. That's a rabbit hole. I don't want to go down right now. (laughs) (laughs) So those are my five that like they're honorable mentions, but they just weren't good enough to make the list. I guess that that's how you want to put it. Um, But we have 10 of them. And like I said, for me personally, that wasn't really like a, I didn't rank them in any sort of way, did you? Um, I have one that's like very clearly number one, but every yeah. other one is not. Yeah, I was going to say my first three are like very much the most important, especially number one. But we'll start with 10. Um, I'm going to switch this up, and I'm going to let you go first this time. What's your number 10 on your list of the top 10 albums that made you? Uh, ironically, it's, a, it's actually quite an older album. Um, uh, anybody who listens to Reba knows Read My Mind. Um, <clears throat> read my, the first Read My Mind came out like the early night, it came out in, like the late 80s, right? And then Read My Mind. Um, hold on, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm right. I always get I always get Read My Mind and For My Broken Heart mixed up, and so <laughs> Read My Mind came out. Like early 80s, but 1994, 95, she released a like 25th anniversary of it, deluxe right. edition. And it's, and I, I just remember my mom listening to it. And really, when you're a kid, your music taste is, I think, really shaped up by what your mom listened to. <laughs> yes, those five albums I listed were my mom and stepdad. So, and so, uh, yeah, Reba's Read My Mind really, really 
really fantastic. And um, I mean, I had a real hard time picking out because my the way I made my rule, I tried to I tried to make Excuse my album. My albums only pick one album from one artist. I didn't want to stack a bunch. Otherwise, it'd be 10 George Strait albums. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand I really, that. I really struggle with a bunch of the Reba albums, but um, I, I had to pick that one just because... Ooh, I mean, a struggle between that one for my heart and rumor has it. Um, but... Like everything you want, read my mind. Right. Um, and still, until you love me, um, I mean, those are all perfect classics, and they really shaped the kind of music I really like. And and Reba also talks about how it's the the album that she finally kind of got to make the music she wanted to make. And right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, my number 10, again, there's really no order to this, but this is one that it could have been an honorable, men honorable mention, but I love the whole album front to back and it's a big part of my childhood. So it made the list licensed to ill by beastie boys. Um, this one, this was not my introduction to beastie boys. It was one of their like later albums in the nineties. This one's, I think this is either first or so. I can't remember. I'm not like a diehard Beastie Boys fan, but I love this album. I can <laughs> I can sing every single lyric on this album. So I think the reason this one's so significant is because it's the only album my stepdad had of the Beastie Boys that was readily available. I could just take the fucking CD from his car and take it to my room. So because everything else, like I had to ask permission, but that one just sat there. So I was like, okay, it's mine now. And I just fucking played it and front to back, dude, fell in love with it. It's something that me and my stepdad shared, like a pretty big bond. And my biological father, he loves Beastie Boys too, so that was perfect. But yeah, that's my number ten. Now, what do you got at number nine? Um, another another one that was released before I was born. Oh well, no, I'm I'm looking at the release and actually released the year the year after I was born. Um, Fly by the Dixie Chicks. Okay, I've heard. Yeah. Um, I mean, Fly is one of those um, records that are just perfect front to back. I mean, Ready to Run is fantastic. Cowboy Take Me Away is amazing. Goodbye Earl is one of the coolest premises for us songs ever. Um, Without You is fantastic. Heartbreak Town, Let Them Fly. Those are really, really good songs. And I really, right. I, again, I struggle between that one and Wide Open Spaces, but I think there's just more better music on fly um so again another female country group i got i've got like divorced mom taste in music well i guess i should have mentioned that mine was definitely before i was born it was like mid 80s or some shit but um number nine is actually during my childhood this was the rise of the anti-establishment tony this is the self-titled three days grace album by three days grace this was my introduction to, I wouldn't quite call this metal. I know they say that they're hard rock or metal. or whatever. It, It's not. It's a world of difference when you hear real metal. But to me, this was like a harder sound because I grew up listening to a lot of either gangster rap or punk rock or R&B. I didn't listen to a lot of like metal shit. I mean, I listened to Metallica when I was a kid, but that was because my dad loved them and that didn't grow on me until I was a teenager. But this was my middle school teenage days so that's why i made this list and it was like i was definitely writing the the coattails that everyone else was writing of like oh i gotta be a part of this even though this album was old by the time i had heard it because i think everybody was stuck listening to one x by three days grace and i had just started listening to them so i was listening to their self-titled album first so it's a big part of my childhood, uh, especially like growing up. I mean, that's it's one of the few albums I still listen to to this day, like front to back. I'll still pop it in every now and then. Depends on my mood. But yeah, the Three Days Grace album by Three Days Grace is my number nine. What do you have as eight? Well, from stepmom to divorced mom, um, taste of music to stepdad taste of music, the Eagles 
self-titled album, specifically the 2013 remaster. Um, I didn't actually discover the Eagles until I was in middle school. And I love course, the Eagles. Oh my god. My everybody knows my big um, controversial music opinion is that the Eagles are better than Leonard Skinner. No. And I will go out in my depth. The harmonies are better. The songwriting no. is better. The musicality is better. It's hard because Leonard Skinner yeah. doesn't have a song that touches, taking it easy. I don't know, man. Tuesday is gone. It's a fucking. Oh, yeah. So the, that self-titled self-titled album, taking it, take it easy. Nightingales, early birds, trying. Oh God. <laughs> uh, let's see what. Where am I? Oh yeah, my number eight. I've talked about this album like numerous times on the show, so I won't get too into it. But Hellbilly Deluxe by Rob Zombie. I've mentioned this before numerous times. This is a big part of my childhood. This was my not introduction to Rob Zombie because I knew about him when they were White Zombie. This is very much my mother's musical taste that passed on to me. I fell in love with it when it was just him. The Rob Zombie band, that was when I was really into it. And the, at the time this came out, this was a huge deal. This was, it was like, a, you know, there was Marilyn Manson, sure, and, you know, Nine Inch Nails and all that. But Rob Zombie, like, just the music videos, you had to be there to witness them. Some of them were removed from TV because they were too extreme. But you watch them now, and in retrospect, pretty tame. And they're very much a representation of the 90s, really dark. I mean, I've always said, dude, the best way to describe the 90s is broken home for most people. <laughs> so this touches on that a bit. But yeah, my number eight is for sure Hellbilly Deluxe by Rob Zombie. Um, moving on to number seven. What do you have for seven? Okay, now here comes an album that was made way, way, way before I was born. A Fool. By Elvis. Elvis. Al actually, Elvis itself titles Elvis album, but it's real. It's kind of known as Fool. Right. Um, Elvis is the greatest to ever do it. No one will ever be better. It won't be even close. Um, I really wanted to put um, that Elvis's greatest hits album, his number ones album, Elvis Thirty, is what the album was called. The expanded edition, but I also made a rule that I can't have any greatest hits albums. I did that too, yeah, because a lot of my musical taste as a kid was greatest hits album, especially if they were artists before my time. But that's to me, that's unfair. So I'm like, I can't do a great. And also, hit that Elvis Thirty um, album actually came out like two years ago, <laughs> so I don't think we can count it. <laughs> I, didn't grow, I, didn't, I didn't grow up on it, but yeah, Elvis is full. His first self, his self-titled Elvis album is incredible. Is yeah. there a more iconic um, album cover of Elvis in the jumpsuit with the pop collar? Ah. Dude, there's nobody that does it better than Elvis. He has arguably earned the right to be called the king. It's one of those. It's one of those things, man. You just got to sit down and listen to his work because so many people just hate on him just to hate on him because he's an older artist. But dude, yeah, if you sit down and listen to him, it's like, oh fuck, dude, it's magical. Uh, this one's gonna be a not controversial, but a little stupid. So when I said albums, I meant albums. I didn't mean like they had to be just musical. So this one's not a musical album. It's called "They're All Gonna Laugh at You" by Adam Sandler. It's an album full of sketches, and uh, this was my introduction to Adam Sandler. My dad didn't like me listening to it. He didn't want me watching Adam Sandler's movies. I had to sneak into my mother's room to watch movies of Adam Sandler, but very first thing I ever heard was this album, and I wondered who it was, and then my mom watched a lot of his movies, and so I put two and two together, and I was like, oh, my God. But to this day, I still listen to this. Like, yeah, there's there's a few songs on here because Adam Sandler's known for singing wacky songs. But to me, this is the definitive Adam Sandler album. This was, to me, the peak of Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler was better when he was just coming around and when he was popular in the 90s. So this plays a big part of, on my childhood. I mean, believe it or not, I actually own this album. I have it in my CD case in my storage. So, yeah, that's my number seven. Now, what do you have at your number six? 
Brooks and Dunn, Brand New Man. It is 10 songs of perfection. I mean, raw, undeniable perfection. Brand New Man, fantastic. Next Broken Heart, Neon Moon, Lost and Found, Freaking Boot Scootin' Boogie, Still in Love with You, Dear God Almighty. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, coming in at number six, I got Take Off Your Pants and Jacket by Blink-182. Um, I will say this, Blink-182 and um, Eminem made two albums on my top ten just because I really was trying to avoid doing that because to me, again, that's kind of not fair. But again, I said albums that made you and these are the albums that made me. So Take Off Your Pants and Jacket was not my introduction to Blink-182, but it's an album that was readily available around the house. It was my second favorite, still to this day, second favorite from uh, another album by them. But this one is definitive to me because not only was it readily available, but this was the time that my stepfather was younger and was very much into punk rock. So this was where I picked up on that because if it wasn't for Blink-182, I never would have heard of Good Charlotte, Some 41, fuck the Ramones, like old school, real punk. You know, like I just, this album is what opened that door for me. To this day, I still listen to it. It's still one of my favorites. I mean, I honestly, on this album that I wouldn't say I don't like, I just don't care for it as much. But to me, I'm like, okay, it's like, it's a decent song. And I'm not going to mention the song, but just that one song, that's, that's all right. The rest of it is amazing. But that's my number six. Now, what do you have that's coming in at number five? Um, so Chris Young had an album in 2011 called Neon. Uh, it was the first CD I ever owned. It was given to me for Christmas. And it really is one of the things that really made me love country music. There's a, bunch, there's a couple really good songs on it. It's not even Chris Young's best album. But... It's so foundational in what kind of music I like nowadays that I had to put it on the list because of the influence it's had over my musical taste. Understandable. Uh, coming in at number five, this is a genre change-up and arguably one of the greatest albums of all time, period. I'll fight anyone on it. Look at the numbers. Hell's Bells. Or not Hell's Bells, I'm sorry. That was my favorite song. Back in Black. ACDC. I call it Hell's Bells. Fuck you all. So this was not like I had known about ACDC before because I had heard numerous songs, dude. Like you'd have to find someone that doesn't you'd have to go really far to find someone that doesn't know the song Highway to Hell. That's a that's like their fucking signature song. Right. And that's one that I've heard. Um, Thunderstruck and you know, all the shit that was around my time. But this one was a little before my time. Um, I don't remember what year, but considered it's considered the best album by acdc by most fans it's a kind of one that's been up for debate as far as i know it's their highest selling album it's again one of the highest selling albums and it shows man this is a fucking phenomenal album and this is also when we don't have bond anymore he's dead so we had to move on to another person that sounded just fucking like him so it not only did it really revitalize them when people were doubting it, but it also made them, in my opinion, 10 times better. This is, there's, they have a lot of albums, dude. They have a lot. Some are good, some are bad. This one is just all around phenomenal. I think my favorite song on this has been in almost every movie you can think of. Back in Black, dude. Fucking Iron Man. They played that and I was like, yes! Made me so fucking happy, dude, because that's one of my favorite songs, I think. But Hell's Bells is like my personal favorite. I mean, just the intro, you hear it. It's long as shit, I admit. As someone that first heard it, I was like, okay, I just heard a gong, I think. No, that's a bell. And then another bell. I'm like, are we going to sing it? But then, years later, in retrospect, all right, listening to it again, that opening for Hell's Bells is so fucking beautiful, man. I, I listen to it, and I think I could totally see this being the opening of a Mad Max movie, or even like, um, God forbid I'm going to say this, because... I love this movie and I love the band, but um, Apocalypse Now, the very beginning, they open up with uh, This Is The End, right, by The Doors, or Jim Morrison, and the, but 
you know, it's, it's fantastic the way it is. But what I'm saying is when I listen to the first song on Back in Black Hell's Bells, I can think of it in something like being in the opening for Apocalypse Now or something that's like a, a war-driven film. Yeah, I love this fucking album. It has one song on it that's that's kind of corny. Uh, Giving the dog a bone, it's a little like, eh, it's stupid. But it's still like, you have fun with it. So, yeah, Hell's Bells, big part of my childhood. That is what made me, I'm not going to lie, because I did grow up listening to Rolling Stones with my dad and David Bowie and all that. But ACDC, this album specifically, was what made me go, fuck yeah, I like ACDC. And then, oh shit, I like Iron Maiden and Led Zeppelin and blah, blah. This opened a door for me, basically. But yeah, that's my number five. Now, Austin, what do you have at number four? Um, so this is somebody who didn't originally make country music and made the transition, did it really, really well. And he's one of the main reasons why a lot of people are like, oh, country music's racist. No black person could ever do it. But this guy's fucking one of the greatest selling country music artists of all time. Um, Learn to Live by Darius Rucker is incredible. I mean... I think it's in my top 15 country movie, country albums ever. It was, it was really his first country album, and he had like six number ones on this one singular album. Uh, it's incredible. Um, I, it won't be like this for long. Is set of mental and great and all right. It's upbeat and fun. And don't think I don't think about it. This morning and um. Lyryful and Forever Road is fantastic. Excuse me, fantastic. Um, yeah, Darius Rucker is fantastic. This is his best album, and this came out like 2007, 2008. And I used to, this album I got from the library, and I would just walk in and re. <laughs> I'd go <laughs> in and I need to re 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 up my um, loader on this one. <laughs> you ever do that thing, dude? Where like. You're you have your headphones on or whatever, and you're walking and you look like you're just like a normal person walking, but you're listening to a song that's like your entrance into war or some shit like that. Like nobody knows what's going on around you inside your head. They all just see you as another person with your headphones on and you're just walking calmly. But really, like you're seeing yourself like, Yeah, I'm going to fucking battle, dude. Like this is what's up. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but it's that's when you know the music's really good. It's hitting you. Uh number four for me. Um, this isn't, I, I hate doing this one before another one. This is a relapse by Eminem. So the reason I picked this one is because growing up as a kid, I loved Eminem, but once Encore came out, I kind of stopped liking him. I just couldn't get into him anymore. That album, I've grown to appreciate it. I'm not saying it's a shitty album. He's had way worse albums in my opinion, but I just didn't like it. I kind of dropped off the earth and then he disappeared for a while. So there was like nothing about Eminem. And then this came out and I got to admit at first, I was very like against this album because this came out when I was in high school. Well, I was like a freshman, I think I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was like a freshman when this came out and I was very much against it because the first song I had heard was the music video for uh, crack a bottle. And I was like, this is the most fucking bubblegum Eminem song I've ever heard. Like he fucking sold out for sure. But my brother is the one that brought it to my attention that like, hey, dude, that's from his new album that you want to hear so bad. And I was like, what? I thought that was like an older song for some reason. So then I went and got the album. And dude, this is a phenomenal album because at the time it came out, it did well. But over the years, people have turned their back on it. Eminem himself has said that he thinks it's his worst album of all time. I disagree because it's a return to formula. There is a very big... Um, departure from his darkness in the Eminem show, which is also on this list. But, or no, actually, that one I had to fight. I took it off the list because I love it. But the reason I bring it up is because if you listen to his first two albums, they're very much the same. Marshall Mathers LP is a step up, but when we get to the Eminem show, it's a departure. Yes, it has classic Slim Shady lyrics and all that, but it's very, very different. And that's where Encore takes a complete turn, and I just fucked off of that one. But Relapse, to me, it goes back. It's Again, it's a return to formula. When I listen to it, it reminds me of Slim Shady LP or EP, whatever the fuck it's called, and Marshall Mathers LP. It reminds me of those albums years later while I'm in high school. Because when I first heard Eminem's work, I was like fucking seven, eight, nine years old, maybe. 
so you know it was cool to have that revitalized like it it brought me back to Eminem and it gave me hope that there could be more Eminem in the future. Unfortunately, it's not been the greatest, but I will go as far as saying that in my opinion, this is his last amazing album. I won't say it's his best, but it's an album that I still to this day listen front to back and I stand on my island when I say it's one of his best. I know a lot of people don't like it now and I know he doesn't like it, but to me, I love it because even though it's wacky and it's weird and you can argue that it's kind of garbage, but wouldn't you say the same about his first three albums or four? I, I mean, it's specifically his first two. This Again, this is just like his first two, so that's really not any different, but I love it. I don't know what it is. I think it's just because it reminded me of old Eminem, and so I bought the album. I took it to school. I was one of those kids that I still had a CD player because I refused to embrace modern times. I still have that album. It's in my. It's actually in my CD player right now, packed away in a box. But yeah, my number four is Relapse by Eminem. What does Austin have at number three? Um. So when I sat down to make this list, and I like sat and closed my eyes and tried to remember all either the albums I got from the. Um, Library or the music I ripped off LimeWire <laughs> as a child on my mom's druggy computer. <laughs> my mom's druggy computer. <laughs> so. And I was like, oh my God, do I still have that little MP3 player I got for Christmas that year that I put on, that I ripped this music from LimeWire onto? LimeWire is the shit. Found my little mp3 player i'm like let's see what's on here plugged it into my computer and sure enough there are three albums on this um three albums on this um mp3 player they happen to be the three top ones i'm thinking of but i had to break one of my rules i had to roll no greatest hits album but this greatest hits album came out in 2003 and i think i burnt a hole a ring around the CD playing it so often. It is Lone Star's greatest hits album. I mean, you're like coming home. If you push me to pick a Lone Star album, I'd pick, um, I'd probably pick Let's Be Us again, Mr. Mom, Country County Fair. But no, Lone Star's greatest hits album is incredible. I mean, they embedded the sappy, upbeat, awesome love song with harmonies. <laughs> For your, the, every time I'm just like in a room by myself, you're like coming home, comes to my mind. I always get stuck just singing it over and over again. And I have heard that song in like a decade. It sticks in my head out of nowhere and I have to go listen to it. Um, yeah, Lone Star, fantastic. Number three. I think these okay. number three are... I didn't have many of these ranked, but I think number three is probably my most listened to album as a kid. Um, just because of how just incredible top to bottom is, even though I know it's cheating. It's the greatest hits album, but I was no, like five. No, you're good. Because these, these three that we're going to get into for me, they're the most important. That's why I put them where they're at. But I didn't rank these. Um, coming in number three for me is All Killer No Filler by Sum 41. Um, this the reason I chose this is because it is my introduction to Sum 41 as a kid. My sister had this album, I stole it from her, and I listened to it front to back to this day. I still do, and it's also the only Sum 41 album that I can listen to front to back because they've got some great albums, sure, but not all of them stand up like this one does to me, which is controversial, I can admit, because there's a lot of people that this wouldn't even be on their list. To me, though, I love every single song on this fucking album. And every time I hear each one, it reminds me of where I first heard that song. Um, more specifically, In Too Deep. Everybody has probably heard the song at some point in their life. Because I'm in too deep and I'm trying to keep... They play it in Cheaper by the Dozen. That was a horrible fucking singing voice. They played it in fucking Malcolm in the Middle... They've played it, and I'm pretty sure it's in one of the American Pies. I can't remember which one, but it's one of those songs that you hear, and you're like, ah, it reminds me of the early 2000s. 
Another one that's on there is a fat lip. That one I heard in American Pie. That one I've heard in numerous movies. Yeah, there's a lot of most of the songs on this album have been in movies somewhere that have made some 41 stand out for me because I love all their albums. But this is the one that, in my opinion, is great because, again, I love every single song, whereas some of their other albums, I like about half of it or I like some of their songs because I was never a passionate Sum 41 guy. I was always a Blink-182 dude. But because of Blink-182, I got to get into Sum 41. And again, this was my sister's album. I stole it from her. That's when I really got into like the punk phase and started spiking my hair. But yeah, all killer, no filler by Sum 41. Greatest Sum 41 album, in my opinion. It's my favorite Sum 41 album. So there you go. And that's why it's on this list. What do you have at number two? So this was the hardest one for me to decide. Um, the Woman in Me by Shania Twain, 1995, is. Any man of mine whose boots have your bed been under, um, woman and me, it, it don't take two. It's so good. I mean, it's so good. It's objectively the better album. But we're not ranking just albums based on pure quality. Right. We're, we're ranking albums based on, like, as, ch- as, as children. Yeah, what they did for how, our childhood. How important how big of an imprint or an impact yes up the green version by shania twain made the list over that holy crap now to be fair listening to it again now there are four really 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 all-time great songs the rest of the album's kind of middle of the road but God are the highlights on this album like some of the best shit you ever heard. Right. Like, I'm Gonna Get You Good is so goddamn good. It is so incredible. Uh, it's, it's, it's innovative. It's new. It's fresh. Um, Up was the first album she made where she made a pop album. She made a country album. She made an international album. And then just... Made the same music, but made them different ways. So green right. is country, red is pop, and oh, okay, blue, blues international. I think it's blue, but um, I mean it's innovative. It's it's great. If you like pop, you'll really like red. If you like country, really country on the green. Um, the only big thing about the only big thing about it is in I'm gonna get you good. If a not the most sexiest woman alive at the time was not singing that song, like if it was a doozy in the song, it would be creepy. Mm-hmm. My mom loves Shania Twain. That's how I know. Oh, Lord, Shania is great. Um, I mean, she used to. The, her most recent album is like toilet paper. Most older artists that release new albums, they're pretty, pretty terrible. I'm it's one like, of the... She had a, ta- um, Shania had an out al- came out with an album, um, not the most recent one. Now, um, so in twenty seventeen, she announced she's gonna come out and say me making music again. I was excited, and now wasn't horrible. There was a couple pretty good songs. There was a couple good stuff. Um, Life's about to get good was in, I really liked it. All in all, was pretty good. But then this this goddamn fucking. What's it called? Queen of Me is so trash. It's, 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 yeah, it's, oh my God, it makes me so mad. It's fucking sewage, dude. You listen to it like, is this really the same person? Yeah. I'm like, I used to love this lady. Now she's putting out fucking shit. That's kind of how I feel about the Rolling Stones now. Like, they're, the last 20, 30 years of albums they've released to me, they're, Great four-star albums for sure, but dude, they're nowhere near as good. I'm saying they're great as in someone that's trying to set apart the fact that they had a legacy, and I'm trying to listen to it as newer music. They are great albums, but they don't touch the older stuff. They're, If I were to compare them, they're fucking terrible in comparison. That's just, I think that most artists that do, like, you know, older ones that release new music, are they're just fucking bad because... They either A, won't sell out and they sound the same and it's nothing new. Or B, they do sell out and it's fucking trash. 
Or C, they do something different, a little experimental, and you're like, dude, this isn't working because this isn't what you used to do. You chose to wait till you're like 50, 60 to do this shit. That's, yeah, like it's always risky when you hear an older artist release new content, since that's what it is now. I figure if there's enough time after we're done with this list, we should talk about the state of music currently. Uh, coming in at number two for me, this is a very, very important album. The Marshall Mathers LP by Eminem. Again, I had heard Slim Shady beforehand. I fell in love with it. It actually had so much that I could relate to. This one, even more. I think the reason why is because, again, I grew up off gangster rap, but there was that that disconnection because I know how this is going to sound, but I am not black. And I'm also not a street kid. I never was. So I couldn't really relate to any of that music, but I loved it because it was popular. It was the end thing. It was... I, Never heard it before in my life, unlike anything I'd ever heard. It was awesome. But for whatever reason, Eminem's music, I could always relate to because it felt like when he's rapping, he's more or less singing. And if he wasn't singing, it felt like he was talking to you. That's why I loved his music so much, specifically this album. Every song on it had something to do with my life in some way. Even though my life wasn't terrible, my childhood wasn't bad. It got some not great memories. But that's what this album made up for. This was the first album I'd ever come across in my life that I could go to for therapy because I learned from this album specifically that sometimes when you're sad, sad music actually lifts you up. You would think that it's reverse. But when you hear that music and it feels like someone else is in pain just like you, for whatever reason, it just makes you feel 10 times better. That's what this one did for me. And there's this is one of those albums... It's not the only album of his that I can listen to every single song I find amazing, but it's the one that I can listen to on repeat and sing every single one like it's karaoke night. This is not, I don't want to say it's his best album. I mean, I don't know. I get, he's got some good ones and he's got some fucking stinkers, but this one's a big part of my childhood. This is like you said, it left an imprint. This actually shaped my taste and my love for music. It shaped who I became however you want to take that but yeah the marshall mathers lp to me is still the gold standard of music now we're getting into number one territory i imagine this is important to you that's probably why it's at number one what is your number one i'm sorry to embroil our podcast in this (laughs) argument this giant fight and war that happens every time the King is brought up. King George is brought up. <laughs> and albums. So there are about about five schools of thought on what is George Strait's greatest album. Some people love Straight from the Heart. That's, you know, Marina Del Rey, Full Hearted Memory. It's fantastic. Um, a lot of people think Road Less Travel was fantastic. Um, Fort Worth Ever Cross Your Mind has got a lot of old decrepit people who don't listen to good music anymore. Um, Blue Clear Sky is also extremely popular. And then Oceanfront Property. Uh, but for me, 2011, 2012, George Strait put out back-to-back albums. Here for a Good Time is in 2011. Fantastic. I heard this album and I said, okay, who's this? Who's George Strait? And I listened back, and I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is the greatest to ever do it. I was obsessed with George Strait when I was, after listening here for a good time. But in 2011, George Strait released an I Now, George Strait announces releases an album in, like, 2012, 2013. Now Little Austin's watching, because now he knows George Strait, and... He goes down and he mows a bunch of lawns and he walks down the street and buys Love is Everything's George Strait album, brand new from Walmart. I got a car. Give it all we got tonight. You don't know what you're missing. When the credits roll, I believe, sitting on the fence, it's George Strait's best album, Come Fight Me. Um, and even the king himself believes so. 
Um, it's got the best deep cut of when the credits roll, and we know it's that because George Strait says it's his favorite song, and he plays it at all his concerts to close out. It's fantastic. It's amazing. Anybody, if you haven't heard this, listen to this album, take five minutes to sit down and listen to the first two tracks and the last two tracks, and you are going to understand, A, what great music is. B, what great country music is. C, why George Strait is a number has a more number ones on the, on Billboard than anybody else ever. And why George Strait's number one album is a six CD collection that you gotta try to find the time to listen to because you have so many number ones. You'll find out why he currently owns the um, attendance record in twelve of the twenty. Biggest venues in America, beating Taylor Swift, Sports Authority, or Empower Field, Denver. George Strait owns the attendance record. He and Taylor Swift had shows. Um, George's was a week before. Taylor Swift was the night after, and George won. And George had the higher attendance record. He filled, he sold his show out at Empower Field and when people talk about like legends that we are lucky, to, one of my favorite memes ever is like, if you ever feel like you're unlucky, just remember you and George Strait are alive at the same time. <laughs> it's, I'm pretty sure everybody knows how much I absolutely <clears throat> love this guy and his music and how absolutely universally adored he is. There's no one who doesn't like George Strait. No one, no one alive, no one alive is like, oh, you, George Strait. There are some people who are like, oh, I don't like country music. That's different. That's different. I was going to say that's different. And, and that's probably that... because you listen to Luke Bryant and you didn't listen to when the credits roll. Because <laughs> I've had people who don't like country music and I'll whip this, I'll this album whip on and I got a car comes on and they're sitting here like bobbing along and like fall. The guy I live with hates country music. He's from the ghetto. <laughs> I play this and he goes, oh my god, there's like cool stories going on in these songs. Right. Which is Like, wow. Yeah. He goes, well, well play that song again. Well, that's what makes like, a good song is when they're telling a story. That's what I've always told people. That's the difference between good music and, and bad truth. music. Right. I always say that. It's like, I try to explain that to my brother when we like get in debates about music and I told them the reason I like a lot of the music I like is because some of it, well, most of it, they have a story to tell. Each song is a story. Even if it's like a corny song about just dancing, there's usually like a, there's a theme in them, a message of sorts, which I feel like maybe not all music, but a good majority of music today is lacking. Not all music. Cause there are some people out there that I don't even have interest in their music and they actually tell good stories. You know what I mean? Like there are some artists that, I can sit down and appreciate the fact that they're trying to tell you a story, not sing mindless fucking what dude, a good example. All right. The fucking song turned down for what? That's it. That's the, that's like the one of two lyrics, the entire song. That's not a fucking story. That's a party song. That's why it's stupid. I mean, I'll listen to it. Cause you know, if I'm drunk enough, I'll be like, all right, turn it up. But it's not a good song by any measure, dude, because there's just, What's the fucking point of it? A good song tells a story, whether it's sad, happy, whatever. There's just not a lot of that these days. And it's like, you can tell that they've manufactured a sound and a lyric, packaged it and went, kids will love it. There we go. And they're right, because kids hear it. And that's the first thing they hear. Just like this was the first shit we heard. So, I mean, my dad, dude, he would like shit on the music I listened to as a kid. But now that I'm older, it's funny because he listens to that music now. Like, he's grown to appreciate it. I'm like, yeah, it wasn't that fucking bad. Try that 20 years from now, though. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in at number one for me, if you watched our episode where we had my brother Keegan on and we were ranking Blink-182 albums, this album was my number one on that. It's my number one here as well. Enema of the State by Blink-182. Uh, let me go on record by saying that no, this is not the first Blink-182 album I ever heard in my life, but this is the one I fell in love with first. I fucking love this fucking album, dude. 
Not only is it my number one on that episode, it's my number one here. It's my favorite Blink-182 album, period, of all of them. And I will go on record with saying that I think it's their best album to date, which pisses a lot of people off. Because a lot of people like Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, and then One More Time came out, which to me is their third greatest album of all time. But Nothing Touches Enema of the State. This has my favorite song on it. What's My Age Again is my favorite. It's the quintessential Blink-182 when someone asks me about Blink-182, they're like, what should I listen to first? I'm always like, what's my age again? Their best song, period. I only say that because it's my favorite. It's probably not their best. But to me, that's their signature song. Or All the Small Things. Everybody's heard that song. Even if you don't know who Blink-182 is, you've heard All the Small Things. They play it at fucking stadiums, during games. It's been in movies, TV shows, comedy sketches. Dude, even the song Aliens Exist On is a fucking amazing song because back then it was ahead of its time. Tom DeLonge is talking about being abducted by aliens and he went on record saying that he was abducted. He's followed that statement up with books, media. He fucking joined a bunch of CIA rejects or whatever to get the government to admit, yes, there are UFOs. We're not saying there's aliens, but there's definitely objects out there that we don't really know what they are. And you hear that, and you go back to this album, you hear that song, and you're like, holy shit. Yeah, he sounded crazy when he was trying to tell us something, but he was trying to tell us something. And you hear it now, it's very relevant. Dude, even the songs on here that don't get uh, a lot of recognition, like, in my opinion, because a lot of people don't understand how great this is. The first song, Dumpweed, that's an amazing song, dude. That song is... It was kind of my life in high school, dude. This whole album represents me being a reject in high school. This album shaped my entire life because I had heard it again when I was like probably nine. That went all the way to this day. I still listen to this album. Not every day. I mean, I was listening to it today. But yeah, that's it's teetering on being my favorite album of all time. It's not, but it's it's getting there because I fucking love this album. When I think of music... I think of this album, and I always tell people, I think my love for Blink-182 comes from the fact that they spoke to my generation and the one before it, because my stepdad was really into fucking Blink-182. That's how old they are. And to be fair, if we were to compare them to anybody, a lot of fans of punk rock or pop punk, whatever you want to call it, can come to agreement that Blink-182 is like the Beatles of that genre. To me, they're the Beatles of my time because there's plenty of good bands, man. I mean, I could, I'm not going to sit here and talk about all the fucking bands I like, but Blink 182, they're my Beatles. They're my favorite band of all time. They're who I go to immediately when I want to listen to music and I know how corny that fucking sounds because you listen to it and Blink 182 is known for what? Being stupid, being teenagers that won't grow up. Even as adults, they still act like that. So it's something that. It did leave an imprint on my childhood. It kind of shaped who I am now. It's to the point where I'm letting my daughter listen to him because I kind of want her to embrace that the way I did. It's to the point that, and my wife's pretty over it, but it's to the point where like she found Blink-182 lullaby music for babies. And yeah, AJ currently listens to it. Right now his favorite song is First Date. Uh, <laughs> dude, it's amazing. I love Blink-182 so much, man. Like It's, it's so hard to explain. But you know how there's like that one artist that they're the first person you think of when you want to listen to something like you just pop music on. You're like, I got to go to this person directly. That's what this is to me, especially this album. This album actually has a lot of um, sentimental value to it, too, because I actually own an original copy of it. And I own my stepfather's, which is also an original copy. Stole it from him. <laughs> I even have a shirt that has the fucking, I don't remember her name, but the porn star that was on the cover of Enema. She's the nurse. But yeah, that's my number one. So folks, you just heard our 10 albums that made us. So for TikTok really quick, Austin, name back to back the 10 albums that made you. Number one is... Really pick a George Strait album, but Love is Everything by George Strait. Number two is Up the Green Version by Shania Twain. Um, number three was Breaking the Rules with the Lone Star album. Darius Rucker's 
album, um, Fly by the Dixie Chicks. These aren't in order. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, uh, yeah, I said Darius Rucker's. Let's see. Um, oh, Neon, Chris Young, um, yeah. Elvis's Fool. Uh, what's the one I'm missing here? That's it. That's all. That's all 10. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spit mine out fast because, yeah, we're just like, dude, it's hard to edit these videos. Dude. They got to be like 30 seconds in some cases. So for TikTok, my, I don't want to say top, my 10 albums that made me who I am, made my childhood, whatever you want to call it. Number one, Enema of the State by Blink-182. Number two, The Marshall Mathers LP by Eminem. Number three, All Kill or No Filler by Sum 41. Number four, Relapse by Eminem. Number five, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket by Blink-182. Number six, or no, 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 I'm sorry, that was number six. Number five, I missed number five. That was Back in Black by ACDC. Number seven, They're All Gonna Laugh at You by Adam Sandler. I know it's not a musical album. It's still an album that played a big part in my childhood number eight hillbilly deluxe by rob zombie number nine three days grace self-titled album by three days grace and number 10 licensed to ill by the beastie boys bam damn that actually took up a lot of time i didn't think that we were gonna i thought we were gonna blow through these dude that's why i only ever do like 10 because i have so we have listeners that they like um ranking episodes and i do too i'm growing fond of them dude they make for a good conversation but they watch a lot of like influencers, specifically the one I've been directed to check out, and I'm now a big fan of Cody Leach. Uh, he talks about movies, music, video games, but his bread and butter is horror films, and he always does rankings. And his rankings are out of control, dude. He does like 33 on 31, and what that is is he ranks 33 movies, three franchises, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. That's fucking insane to me. I could not do that. And they're long videos. Some of them are like an hour, four hours. But people love these rankings, so I've grown fond of them. But because they take so long, especially when you're trying to figure out how to do something that's not so basic, like the 10 greatest movies of all time, that's such a basic concept. It's better when it's like the 10 worst action films of all time, the 10 best Sylvester Stallone movies of all time or whatever. You know, like people want us to get creative because that's what a lot of these guys are doing. And I've watched these videos and they're fucking awesome. I, that's why I like doing these rankings. I especially love the ones that um, Cody uses these a lot in his videos. It's the one that you always pick out from when we do like ranking Halloween candy or movie theater shit. He uses those tiers and he like, you know, makes up each one. And I like the way he does it. You know, there's like bloody good time, ruin my childhood, so on and so forth. And, you know, people they tend to love them. And like, I've been looking at the numbers too. A lot of people really enjoy these episodes. They're higher than the episodes where we just sit here and bullshit, which I like doing that too. It's hard, dude. Sometimes we could come prepared and I'll still forget what the fuck I'm going to say. Or I just like lose interest in what I'm saying. I start boring myself and I'm like, yeah, let's talk about something else. Hmm. Well, I guess since there's a few minutes, I'd like to talk about this. When we were when I well when I was doing this list, there were a bunch of albums on here that the reason they didn't make this list is because I either haven't heard the full album and I only heard a few songs, but I remember the album because that's where they're from, or I had heard the album but only one song impressed me and it reminded me of like my mom or something. And one of them in particular is a a good old uh, band called Collective Soul, big in my time. They have a song called December. Which, dude, when it came out, it was all over the fucking radio. Even years later, it was all over the radio. And I was watching a show where they had that song playing, and I was like, holy shit, I remember that. I was like four or five when I first heard that song, and it's it's one of my mom's favorite albums. I don't remember the name of the album specifically, but it is from Collective Soul. But I remember the song on there, December, and it's fucking beautiful. I listen to it, and it reminds me of the 90s it reminds me of my childhood i can remember where i first heard it but because i didn't really like the whole album i just wasn't gonna throw that shit on there that's the same for um oh yeah it's on my honorable mentions actually smash by the offspring so the offspring i wouldn't really call them punk they're more like a harder rock but they were one of the first punk type bands i listened to as a kid because my mom and dad loved them Smash, this album specifically, 
keep them separated. That's a uh, one good song. Fucking gotta get away from me is an amazing one. Uh, what's one of my favorite self esteem. I love it. But again, those are only a handful of songs on an album that's stretched so big that I don't enjoy the whole album. However, those songs made me love the offspring. Cause I do, I do believe you can like like 10, 15 songs from an artist and that would classify that you like that artist. But I know some people would disagree and say, no, you need to like all their songs or whatever, but I don't necessarily agree with that, man. Cause I love the Ramones, but there's a lot of their albums where there are songs that I don't care for, but I love a handful of their songs. I was actually listening to one today. It's so relevant, dude. It's cause I was having a shit day. It's called poison heart. That's ah, a good one that it reminded me of why I actually took an interest in the Ramones. Cause of course I heard the first fucking song that everyone ever hears from the Ramones. I want to be sedated. That's the most fucking mainstream fucking. Everybody's heard that song. Everybody's heard Blitzkrieg Bop. Everybody has heard California. Like they've heard all or California sun. Sorry. Rock and roll high school. Everyone's heard that too. There's plenty of songs that you've heard them to the point where you're like, yeah, I know who the Ramones are. But Poison Heart is one that made me take more of an interest in them. That's when I learned that there was more to their lyrics than just singing random bullshit. I love fucking the Ramones. Though. I mean, it's kind of sad that they're not around anymore, but obviously dead, old. If you could resurrect one band, dude, bring them back, whether it's an artist or a band, who would you bring back? Oh, to so to like see in concert is Elvis. Yes, I was like, gonna say Elvis. But like this period bring him back is Keith Whitley. After that man was murdered, you heard it here, he was murdered. He did not die, he did not drink himself to death. He was sober for four years. They found him with more blood alcohol in his blood. Than a human possibly to consume. That bitch of a wife of his murdered him by injecting pure alcohol, um, rubbing alcohol into his veins, so he died of liver failure while he's asleep. That bitch should rot in hell. I hate that woman. Keith Whitley said, "Legend, fuck you, lady." There's some passion right there. No, I'd bring back Elvis Presley to see in concert, but to bring back for good, two people: Easy E. And Kurt Cobain. The only problem I have with Kurt Cobain is the supposed level of jealousy he had of Dave Grohl. That could be a problem because Dave Grohl made one of the greatest bands of all time out of Nirvana. So there's that for you. I would bring him back, though. And I'm one of those guys that I kind of I have an interest in the conspiracy theory that he was murdered. But it's kind of hard to prove, too, because I, I flat to- out believe he fucking... <laughs> Dude, I talked to a guy that thinks that um, Kurt Cobain was murdered. Yeah, dude. It, well, there's a documentary on it. That's how fucking big this conspiracy theory is. And I was sitting here looking at it like, I think some of these motherfuckers think this is real. Because it, it is definitely a conspiracy theory. But they present it to you like it's a fact. You know, like new evidence and all this shit. And I'm like, it's still not compelling enough. I do. I have a hunch that maybe he was. But I don't think it's really that far-fetched to believe that he was that depressed, that he was that addicted to heroin because he was in pain. He had respiratory issues like a motherfucker. And that's why he resorted to drugs. And on top of him being a mess, that didn't help. So eventually he said, fuck it. Chick, chick, bye. (laughs) Essentially. Yeah. But we have hit the end of the road, unfortunately. If you guys like what you heard here and you want to check out more, we are literally everywhere. We're back on Rumble. We're on YouTube. Subscribe. You can find us on Spotify if that's your thing. Apple Podcasts if that's your thing. Yes, we're on Pandora, but we've already established you really shouldn't be listening to us on no, Pandora. If, you, if you're on Pandora, sucks. we don't want you to listen. Fuck you, Pandora. Well, not to mention, dude, our audio quality isn't like the greatest. So if you listen to us on Pandora, you put those two components together, we're going to sound worse than we sound right now. So... Fuck we're going to be sitting here on Pandora. We recorded this on a bottle shop. <laughs> yeah, dude. They're like, who are these fucking... No, next. Oh, ads. I'm not paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that goes. But you can always find us at the home base, thegreatgirthpodcast.com. Please look for us on Instagram. It's at thegreatgirthpodcast, as well as on threads. 
That's also our YouTube username, by the way. It's at the Great Girth Podcast. We're pretty easy to fucking find. All you got to do is like, subscribe, stay in touch. Okay, we're building this brand right now. We don't know really what it is except for two dudes that work full-time jobs and do this as a passion. Maybe one day you'll hear this and be like, damn, I used to listen to these guys and I judged them. Now they're like judging me up there, <laughs> fucking millionaires. <laughs> that would be the ultimate revenge. But thanks, guys, for listening. Austin, buddy, it has been fun, and I will see you on the next one. Adios.